and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm joined today by Chris, Dan and Tim. I'm going to ask this separately because Chris and Dan, you're doing very separately, I imagine, right now, very differently. Uh, so, Tim, how are you doing? <laughs> um, I'm tired. Uh, I had a very long drive this morning, but I made it back for the race and then the race made me even more tired. So, tired. Great. I said, how are you doing? Not have give us a life story. Uh, the guys are finding that funny. Um, that's, Chris. Wait, that, wait, that is, wait, wait, hold on. that's very savage. You, you ask the poor guy about, about, his, about, you know, about his day and how he's doing, and then you just <laughs> give him some shit for it. So it's right. Very, it did make me feel a bit tired, to be honest, listening to him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My, my point was meant to be about how dull the race for the win was. Yeah. Well, let's talk about something that wasn't so dull, which which has put Chris in a very good mood. Chris, how you doing? I've had my ups and downs today, but you know it's it's after seven o'clock now. I'm feeling good. I've had some seven up, <laughs> and um, I've got to go to bed soon because I've got to wake up at seven. <laughs> I don't know, I'm sure I have nothing to do tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and on an unrelated note, has Grosjean just been put into the barriers? Shut. I've got it recorded so I can watch it and you're f- <laughs> oh, dear. I'm so sorry I think I've just uh, I've put Chris in the same sort of mood Dan's in um, <laughs> uh, Chris- shit I'm going home <laughs> that's seven Wait. times you've ruined things for me oh uh. <laughs> <laughs> You, you sounded like Cartman. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Looks a bit like Cartman too. Oh, fuck it, mate. Fair though, fair. Yeah. You little fucking rat. <laughs> Dan, how you doing? I've had a traumatic experience. Oh, here we go. I don't. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um. Yeah. Thank God. Let move on. Move on. What, mate? Just because you've won one match this fucking season, you're gonna act up, okay, mate? Yeah. Calm down. Let's move on. Let's let's not that talk about. Wait, hold on. Right. So yeah, for the for the non UK for the non UK listeners or those who don't follow football, Chris likes Liverpool like myself. Um, Dan likes Man United, and today Liverpool and Man United played, and um, it pretty much. These teams do not get on. They do not like each other. And Liverpool beat Man United 7-0, which is the equivalent in Formula 1 sense of being lapped by your teammates seven times. Yeah, OK. And then you're like, yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Chris gets yeah, to move. do seven up, oh, so seven so in the morning. Yeah, seven. Yeah, OK, well, this, this, what, seven let's, just move, let's move on. I've got we'll start with a we'll start with the race. Like with um, Red Bull have got a big gap ahead of them. Like or a big gap behind them from the rest of the field, and if you're going to look at any challenges, it's going to be coming from the teams that finished in the top seven of today's race, with um, Mercedes, Aston Martin, and Ferrari. Um, my question is, Tim, who do you think of those three teams has got the greatest chance of catching Red Bull, and who do you think has got the most to make up? Based on the pace today, um, the Mercedes were the two 
who finished furthest away. They finished fifth and seventh out of those seven who did finish. I don't think that either of them were going to finish ahead of Leclerc before the failure. So Mercedes have got the most to wake up. Um, in terms of who I think will make the catch, I feel like the people who are probably closest to making the catch would actually be Ferrari. But do I have faith in them doing it this season? Not really, after today's showing, unfortunately. And Chris, coming to you on the same question, who, which does the three sort of teams that you were teased to be challenging Red Bull yes, in qualifying yesterday, which of those three teams do you feel has got the best chance of catching them and who's, well, furthest off? I don't think anybody has got a chance of catching Red Bull. Um, the Aston Martins have looked great from pre-season through to the race. Mercedes, it's not good when Toto is already saying what we've got there isn't going to do anything for us. Alonso looked great today. But as a, as an entire unit, it has to be Ferrari would be the the team that I think has the chance of being able to push itself up there. Um, I think Aston Martin might start dropping back because you're really relying on one driver to push that team forward. Although Stroll today was my driver of the day. Dan, if we can just come to you with the same question. Uh, Tim, you, Dan, you both put your hands up. Tim, you've been. Dan, same question. Who's most likely to get it for you and who's furthest off? I think it's going to have to be um, the Aston Martin because I think even for Stroll to get a sixth place with his uh, hands pinned or his uh, wrist, wrist pinned or whatever he had pinned, um, to still finish sixth and for Fernando to finish third, yeah, obviously I know there was the uh, Ferrari the Ferrari issue. Yeah, and I I think it's got to be Mercedes as well because they, they brought a new wing that was meant to be at Jeddah, so they bought it race early, and yet they still couldn't even get to in what was it two and a half seconds of the Ferrari uh, literally after they were after they were in DRS range. So I think they've definitely got the most to make up, which is is sad because it's literally just going to be uh, like a, a a Red Bull whitewash from the beginning. So let's look forward to 2026, like Josh says. And yeah, I want to just build on that 2026 in a way you feel couldn't come soon enough but i think there's a couple of things to take into consideration one mercedes last year i think showed the most development in the car they've been touting their b-spec car quite a lot and we're expecting that to come in we were expecting maybe Azerbaijan, but probably first european race of the season i think it's more a realistic yeah, one i think we're expecting why isn't the b-spec car here now why time do you have to wait so yeah, but they've had. Did they, have they not had enough time? The B spec car is a rumor. Nobody's confirmed the B spec car. Um, there has been confirmed. It was confirmed <laughs> on Ted's Ted's qualifying notebook. He, um, Ted's full he, of shit. We all no, that. he spoke to the um. Oh crikey, who was it? Um, was it Ron Meadow? Mike or or Shovlin? One Shovlin. It was Shovlin. Yeah, he spoke. Shovlin. To, he spoke. Spoke to Shovlin. And he um he's and they confirmed it, but they also confirmed that it wasn't gonna be a Red Bull style side pod. You know, it was still gonna be this this zero pod idea, which for some reason they feel is the best. But going back to what I was saying, Mercedes, you think probably they're the ones that I feel will challenge of anyone. Red Bull, I mean, 
first of all, apologies, Ferrari fans, for saying that Vasseur was Swiss in the last podcast. He's French. I know that now. By the absolute disaster that Ferrari were this weekend. Um, second of all, Aston Martin, whilst they've got a lot of resources because of where they finished in the championship last season, this brand new factory and everything, I just don't know how well equipped the personnel are to be able to mount a title push. So that's why I feel Mercedes are the ones that, if anyone's going to come back at Red Bull, will be the team to do it. Chris? You say about Mercedes' rate of improvement. Um, whether if if Aston Martin can keep that up um, and maximise their wind tunnel time, will Red Bull sort of second half of the season start to feel the effect of their punishment um, and start tapering off and maybe hopefully have someone closing in on them a bit. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think they probably would have taken quite a hostile approach this season of going for broke early on, doing as much as they can to improve the car that way, because they are going to be limited because of their catering department. There are going to be not like knockbacks from what happened there. So, you know, what's without this will really tell if the punishment was right this season because if Red Bull get caught up with the gap they had then you might feel that this has worked this punishment if they stay two and a half seconds clear of the, of the field after two and a half laps of racing then you probably feel like this punishment was not enough Dan but the the punishment isn't going to be enough or hasn't been enough because we already knew that their effective cheating from that season was going to follow through to this season anyway, when Max is finishing 37 seconds ahead of the nearest non-Red Bull, it's already an absolute joke. Like, you know, what has it effectively done to help the field catch up or to limit to, to limit them running away with it? Zero. I blame the FIA and Mohammed bin Suleiman, or Ben as we called him, um, because when they first announced the punishment for Red Bull, it was a severe punishment, and then they allowed Red Bull to negotiate them down to the petty little punishment that they got, a little slap on the wrist. And where, in what sport do you see a team able to negotiate a a punishment it's it's just it's not right Histori- Football. Historically in F1. it's called cool, it, it's called uefa also historically and it happens in all F1. the time historically in f1 you have that as well okay um, yeah you get you get that there in have f1 been teams who have been able to negotiate their punishments previously in, in f1 chris asked what other sport i'm just saying uefa oh you preach financial fair play would you like a punishment or to pay a fine with your many 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 billions yeah but they were they knocked the, the fine amount that it was going to be, they knocked that right down. Um, it was, I think the uh, wind tunnel time was twice what they actually got taken off them. Um, it would have been a big punish, punishment that they should have got and was expected to get. They should have been crippled by it, and rightly so. My only hope is that they have gone full hog at this part of the season, improved the car dramatically, and this 37 gap to the next car is a bit like that Braun GP season, and they will get caught by someone mid-season, and they will have a title fight at the end. You were talking about maybe Aston Martin being the ones to 
catch them. I think maybe before 2025, 2026, they might be the ones to catch them. But this season probably just comes too soon because they're they're moving into their new test centres and factories in April, May time is what they're aiming to have everything up and running by. And I just think that just comes too soon for at least mid-season development for this season. You've got to have it ready before then. So it might be that next season, Aston Martin are the ones to actually close that gap. But yeah, it doesn't look great for the rest of the field, does it, with the way that Red Bull are at the moment? We'll keep on Aston Martin, because if it wasn't for the Aston Martin drivers, this race would have been terrible. It would have been one of the worst season openers in a long, long time. And we've got to thank Fernando Alonso, Tim's favourite driver, which is probably making him so smug right now, more smug than Chris and I after the football, that yeah, if it wasn't for the Fernando Alonso, this race would have been absolutely shocking. He bought any form of action to the top 10. Sure, we had the action to start the race between um, like the Williams working their way out the field and Bottas had his great start and gave us a bit of action as he dropped back down. But yeah, Fernando Alonso... There's a reason he was driver of the day today. It's because he was the show. He was the man who ran the show. I'll put in a caveat that um, actually I voted for driver of the day as Gasly, as, as ecstatic as I was for Fernando. Um, but 20th to 9th in that shit box of an Alpine, I thought was rather impressive. Um, however, I am very happy that Alonso is back on the podium. Long may it continue. Hopefully a couple of race victories in there if Red Bull do crash into each other. But that looks like the only option. God, I hope they don't, because Tim crying is actually quite amusing. Um, I thought my driver of the day today was Stroll, to be honest. I don't rate him as a strong driver, but to be able to compete as highly as he did with the injuries that he's got, um, I thought was remarkable. Although, I don't believe he should have been allowed to race. Yeah, I, I mean, I was calling Stroll out in... Like public saying he was not fit to race, he shouldn't have been racing. Turns out, I think we were everyone was wrong about that. Who said Stroll shouldn't have been racing because he had a great race and he was very competitive. And when he came out ahead of George Russell after the final pit stops, I thought, well, Russell's going to have him in a couple of laps because he's injured and it's George Russell behind him. But no, he kept him behind and he, I mean, he was closer to Hamilton in the race than I think many would have thought he would have got. Yes, but at least we forget. That Stroll very nearly fucked everything up. Did he not? He thought that he was playing Mario Kart again. Or that, you know, he's just used to crashing now. Because he no, because he nearly took out, was it like lap one? Uh, Fernando on like lap one? Yeah. A little, little bump. But but do you know what made me laugh throughout the whole, I'd say probably like the first 20, 30 laps? They wouldn't tell him who hit him or what, <laughs> what had happened. They, they were just like... Yeah, it's, we're just looking into it, Fernando, no worries. Also, what about the noises and comments that Fernando made every single time he passed somebody? <laughs> he was just happy. He's made a career decision that's correct for the first time in, what, probably since... Joining Renault. 2008? But wasn't it like... Nah. When he, when he oh, we're Renault, jumping the gun around. there. Another one? But yeah. Jumping the gun there. It's yeah. This, I say, could but... be, this could be Aston Martin's spectacular moment, and maybe their their future direction of the car goes downhill instead of uphill. This could easily be Aston Martin's 
Haas moment in Australia when they first, you know, signed Grosjean. Oh, this is a win for us. This is a win for us. Yeah, it could be. But what follows next is is key. How much of their money and resources and wind tunnel and CFD time has all gone into this result and how much of it will go into the rest of the season? Like you'd think of the with the step they've had at the start, you think that they're probably a nailed on for at least fourth in the constructors championship this season. Because whilst Tim described the Alpine as the shit box, which I think is a bit harsh um, because that midfield is so tightly packed. Um I feel like they are miles ahead of everyone in those other six teams. I think my biggest disappointment of the race, and I was expecting it, um, was McLaren. Coming off a successful year or two, to all of a sudden having, technically, Piastri was last with with his um, DNF, but Lando was right at the back because he had to keep on coming in to have his air replaced. This yeah, is but... stupid little stuff. Why have we got technical screens that show sponsorship change in, on a spot that we never see anyway? They're, they're focusing on that instead of focusing on reliability and, and getting the car to go faster in a circle. But what well, this it for though wait hold on sorry Reece, but what 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 were they putting their air in for pneumatic wasn't it it was to do with the pressure of the engine or something like that i don't know the technical reason why they needed there yeah, but i want to go it back is, it is to do with the engine yeah but i want to go back to the built the the changing adverts on the car since that brown when that brown was team principal mclaren were a team about getting results and trying to improve and move up the order since he's become ceo of mclaren group they've become a moving billboard for the sponsor they're, they're more interested in their sponsorships than they are their race result there is the caveat that the more sponsorship you bring in the more money you have for the race team there is also the caveat that you have to question what's more important to you going fast or having an extra 190 grams on the car because you want to go and sh- show off a couple of extra sponsors in one point of the race on a part of the car which chris says you don't even see there's a caveat of there's no point in having a car out there with your advertising on if the car is going to break down on lap one and you're not going to see that advertising anymore i think the this is probably where the best news came for uh mclaren today is that the fight on track was between mercedes and aston martin and, La- and Lando Norris was able to keep himself on TV behind those two whilst being a lap down. That was probably the biggest win for McLaren this weekend. I was just about to say that with uh, Lando's pace on the medium tyres, being able to keep up with, was it Hamilton and Alonso and Sainz battle while they were all battling it out? But if we're going to go from one disaster, which is McLaren, then we have to talk about another disaster, which has to be Esteban Ocon. Now, Dan, have you seen a race weekend as bad as that since Pastor Maldonado. Sadly, there's been quite a few of them that are, that have been as bad as that. It's just like, I, okay, right. I get accused all the time, and it is it is fair. I am a Lewis fan. I loved it when Lewis checked out exactly the same as what Max did for all them years. But toward, towards the end, it did start to get boring. The same as with Michael Schumacher and stuff like this. It just, all, all, all of these... Um, 
promises that were made by the FIA, the te- technical this, technical that, close driving, uh, bigger wheels, better aerodynamics we can follow behind. And it's just all bullshit. Like one car checks out and then we spend the next uh, 56 laps trying to find a race within the middle group or the back markers. I mean, you've just gone after the whole field there this yeah. race weekend. I mean, I was asking for a specific example of a race, which was, yeah. you know, the worst someone's had. Because, I mean, Ocon today, he was out of position on the grid. He then goes into the garage. They fail to count to five. I mean, I know we struggle with our alphabet here, but they fail to count to five before fucking with the car, of which point they get another penalty. They go to serve that. And he gets caught speeding in the pit lane and gets another penalty. I've not seen a honestly, that is the worst weekend I've seen since Pastor Baronado got a penalty for speeding in the pit lane while serving a drive through penalty for speeding in the pit lane. I'm gonna respond to Dan first. I was really excited at the end of Q one when three quarters of the field recovered by one point one seconds. And I thought, hold on. We might actually just maybe have something here. And then Red Bull turned their engines up. And oh, I was so disappointed. And if I was Honda, the way they're playing with Ford at the minute, I'd be sabotaging my own engines. And responding to the race, the only time I've ever seen something like that was NASCAR, where they haven't set their tacos right and they just keep on getting drive-throughs for speeding because they didn't realize they were speeding um i will come back to dan on the closeness of racing in terms of the actual aerodynamics on the actual cars when the cars are close together i think it is easier to pass than previous versions of the formula when you look at we, we've mentioned the midfield battle briefly but there were so many battles going on there between I know, I know it wasn't for the win, but between Alfa Romeo's, Williams's, Alfa Tauri's, um, when they were on the newer tyres, the Hasses were there before they fell off. What an awful day for Hass, by the way, after yesterday. Um, but I, I think from from a regulation standpoint, yes, the cars, there's a very big disparity between the lead two cars, the next six and then the rest. But in terms of actual on-track racing, it's the potential is there if they can get the cars on a closer performance balance. Also respond to Dan, without wanting to sound like a broken record, because I know I've mentioned this many times before, but Jeremy Clarkson, if you saw him on the grid before the race, one of the comments he made was how big the cars are these days. And I am sure that is the core problem of the quality that affects the quality of the racing in Formula One. It's not this turbulent there and stuff like that. It's the cars are too big. If you've got a narrow track, and you've got cars that can't pass each other because it's too wide. I mean, let's face it, you could probably win the Monaco Grand Prix whilst driving around at 30 miles an hour just in the middle of the road. And then just, oh, look, someone else has gone to pits trying to undercut me. Accelerate then. It's, this is the problem, I think, with Formula 1. The cars are too big. This is what affects the quality of the race. And this is why the junior formula, Formula 2 is better. This is why Formula 3 is better. This is why racing in Formula E currently right now and it pays you to say it, it's so much better than racing in formula one because the cars are built for the track they're built to go racing formula one cars are built to go as fast as possible sure they should be doing that but they also need to be built for racing it's an entertainment it's a sport bums on seat 
helps pay the bills. Give somebody else a go, man. <laughs> Did you watch today's Formula 2 feature race? That race was outstanding and it totally it it corroborates everything you're saying there about the size of the cars being a large problem with with what, what the how the race finished. Formula 2 they were overtaken left, right and centre. There was battles everywhere. It was it was a fantastic race. And I would rather be racing in F2 right now than F1. So, right. Firstly, I apologise for my rant. It's just I really expected more from this year than what we've already got. Secondly, I just want to talk to Tim. So you're basically saying, like, the aerodynamics of the car are what we should be having. It's just that obviously the the development in the engines, etc., is what's causing the gap in the racing, not the, the aerodynamics and stuff. I think that, that there is a disparity that Red Bull has obviously got the best aerodynamics in the field. On paper, Ferrari, I think, last season had the best engine, but Red Bull still ran away with it. But it's it's the way that those teams have developed that. But then we become a spec series, which is like what F2 is, and you can't make Formula 1 a spec series. It's not Formula 1 anymore. Formula 1 is about the team who finds the best balance of driver, aero, and engine. Um, yeah, it's a shame that if there was a way of pinning back Red Bull, maybe if the FIA had given them more of a penalty from last season, then who knows? For me, I think one way you might be able to improve what we've got currently without going crazy is by saying to everyone, you've got to fill your tanks to the brim at the start of the race. Don't underfill your car. Then you've got all this lift and coasting and teams that can lift and coast and are built to lift and coast better like Red Bull. The guy at the front's always going to be better at lifting and coasting. Okay, he's not going to have the dirty air to contend with like, destabilising the car. He's not going to have to be dealing with managing the temperatures. So the guy at the front can lift and coast and pull away because everyone else behind him is lifting and coasting and getting hot because they're in this dirty air, they're in the heat of the cars behind. If you say, everyone, fill your car up to the brim, there's no more lifting and coasting, and you're going gun, gung-ho from the start, maybe that improves things. I don't know. Anyway, apart from that, the race is boring. I think everybody's figured out that that's our thoughts. Yes, this race was boring. But the, the the whole grid has spent the three days there doing their testing, their preseason testing. It's hot. It's got a different type of surface on the track. You know, it, it's one one track that isn't replicated anywhere. So maybe in a race or two's time, when we're on different type of track with different air conditions, different heat, maybe. You'll find Aston have got a bit more in their engine than Red Bull and that Red Bull aerodynamics aren't quite that good when they're not in the air temperatures and what have you of, you know, of, of Bahrain. The Red Bull engine's good, but I think one thing that was pointed out from qualifying, it was the aerodynamics, as Tim said, which set Red Bull apart. If you looked at the breakdown of Red Bull Ferrari or Verstappen, Leclerc and also Alonso they did after qualifying that broke it down so through the the high speed corners the Red Bull was superior on the straights the Ferrari was actually the better car it had the better engine and then actually for outright acceleration out the course of braking and braking into the corners that is where Alonso was making his time up. It was the braking and the acceleration, which I think we almost saw from 
the Aston might stay was it's very good at getting the power down. It was too good at getting the power down at points because Alonso got squirrely at points, Stroll got squirrely at points, and throwing right back to earlier in the podcast when someone said that Lance Stroll nearly wiped out Alonso. I'm sorry, that's as much an Alonso as Stroll for me. Stroll was making a move down the inside, and Alonso really should know better than to cut back how he did on lap one. Yeah, what you're saying there is all right, but again, I say, is that track-specific? Are we going to see a completely different new order next weekend, whenever the next race is? Stop saying squirrely, because it's sending a dog nuts. Um, I was actually going to bring up that point when Dan mentioned it earlier as well. It was um, actually Martin Brundle who said it, who said that Alonso, as good as stopped on the apex with the whole field coming behind him, um, and Lance wasn't to know that he was taking his line through the corner to try and keep Russell on the outside. So it's just one of those things. I don't think there was a majority blame to either of them. It's a bit like last season when, was it Russell came back onto the corner at Cota and Carlos went into the side of him? Or was it the other way around? It was it was very similar to that, but just with a lot less contact, so there was no penalty needed. Mm, Sound like that, yeah. Um, just going Stroll back. Stroll was driving awful fast, though. He was getting the car slowed down. <laughs> Only because he is too many out. <laughs> yeah, I say yeah. He was getting it slowed down into the back of Alonso. I mean, he got it slowed down the same way Tim gets the car slowed down while playing Gran Turismo. <laughs> <laughs> why would i use my brakes when i can use yours instead coming back to what chris said did anybody see the segment that ted did where he literally rubbed his hand and his knee across the track to test the abrasiveness to back up what lando was saying did anybody see that did it involve cheese because to be honest if no. there's an example with ted Kravitz, it usually involves so cheese it involved the back of his hand and 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 his knee it's going to be someone wearing shorts, so yeah, I'd assume it'd be Ted Kravitz. Yeah. That was but like, what, but, what's your point about it? Yeah, but, I like, mean, no, but I was just, just saying, like Chris said, how abrasive it is. It did, it did, um, physically rip Ted's skin on the actual part of the track. But they were that the comparison, the the comparison was against the actual track and obviously like the runoff sections of it. But I just saying, yeah, like it was really abrasive that it did cut his skin and make him bleed. And also, I think cheese would have probably been better, Ted, because it's a very stupid thing to be doing. No, I, I agree. Um, but can we just yeah, let's get away from weird experiments with rubbing your hand on the track and talk about something else that we like about tracks, which is track art. Uh, show sponsor Apex Tracks provide uh, us with loads of competition prizes throughout the year. And this weekend, we uh, we were giving away some barring Grand Prix track art. Um, the winner of that will be announced in our Facebook group. Um, but if you want to get your hands on your own 3D printed track wall art, you need to head to apextracks.com. That's A-P-E-X-T-R-A-X-S.com. Thank you for the applause, Dan and Chris. Tim, I wish you showed some enthusiasm for our show sponsor. Apex Tracks! Well, Joss, if you didn't have a uh, a jingle, now you do. Uh, <laughs> well, I really it. wouldn't use it, Joss, if I was you. I'd, I'd get something new. I'd get something new done. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on uh, quickly to the next race, Saudi Arabia. Oh, can I do one more thing? Christ, on Bahrain. Like, how have we found so much to talk about? I was such a shit race. Um, 
honourable <laughs> mentions from this Bahrain Grand Prix, I'm going to go for Alex Albon, points in a Williams, which looked like a dog of a car throughout the whole of testing and all of practice. Tenth place today, fantastic drive from Alex. Um, Logan Sargent 12th as well, not not disgracing himself at all on his debut first F1 race. Um, then 8th, eight, eight, ninth, and 10th, I guess. You've got Bottas in 8th, great start, capitalised, got points for the team, brought it home, and also Gasly coming from 20th to 9th. You've got three very, very good drives from very good drivers who are constantly proving themselves in the midfield, and it looks like they'll all be there again this year. Look, you say Albon. I took a gamble on Albon. Well, I say gamble, educated guess, knowing what Albon can do. Put him in a fantasy lineup. I feel like I was rewarded for that one. But anyway, moving on, Saudi Arabia. I also have that. Albon. Yeah. Mine, yeah. mine is probably about as bad as the Man United uh, score. It's probably best we don't speak about it. Um, also, Did you not I wanna... pick seven drivers? I. Well, unfortunately, you can only pick six, and um, he um, was really up against it because he, he loves to uh, you know, let seven slevin in there. Right. It's, the, the only, it's seven or nothing. The only thing that is worse than Albon's car is his haircut. Just putting that out there. Well, no, I'd say the only thing that's worse than Albon's car is Man United's defending today. Right. Hey, Weren't we moving on anyway, Reese? Yes, we were. To Saudi Arabia. Can we just, sorry, before we do, before we do, Williams, their car is just so plain. Why don't they do something with that? You know, if, if they're not going to get a sponsor, put something up there like BAR done with their Earth car. You know, put a Ukraine flag on the side of it or something. Do because, something as a statement. Because paint is heavy and we know this now. This is why everyone has just carbon fibre. But all right, I want to say something that you probably won't hear me say Um ever again considering how much i bashed the car last season and probably every season um i actually prefer the car pink to blue now and i don't know why yeah and and i don't know why but when they said in the vt that they were changing it after three races back to blue i got a little bit sad and had a little man cry and i was like no actually i like i like it pink now (laughs) <laughs> after three races your retina will have burnt out and you'd be glad to be going back to blue no i think they should just i agree with that i think they should embrace yeah. the pinkness 100 i think the pink if car... you're going to be sponsored by bwt you have to have your car pink that's it not a half-assed job like aston martin when it was half pink and half green was it pink and green no they had a full green car when they were for, when they were racing fourth one or whatever they were no, hello but... blue hello blue sorry blue is in hello chris's dog blue who's just joined the podcast um we're hoping to get some more insightful uh, views from the neeson household with blue here on the microphone now uh blue what are your thoughts going into saudi arabia and uh chris feel free to translate here for blue um blue is looking at the floor and thinking that looks much more interesting than another formula one race Blue is not wrong. He's also saying that blue is a good colour for a Formula One car. The Alpine is a French car with two French drivers. It should be blue and red and white. Well, I mean, it's a French car with French drivers, which is why after so many penalties, they just decided to wave the white flag for Ocon and bring him in. 
Ooh, they've never done that before. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, it was the worst French performance since Agincourt. You can't say that. You really <laughs> went there, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, oh, what Chris, so what Chris We're was saying is that... We're going to get cease and desist off the internet. Mate, <laughs> if, if we didn't get cease and desist from, Mas- from Natalie Pinkham, I think we're safe, brother, to be fair. <laughs> So, so, um, so Please, can we move on to Saudi Arabia? So what Chris is suggesting is that Alpine do that car in the smoking. style of an A1GP. <laughs> yeah, A1GP was great. Yeah, uh, could yeah, you imagine A1GP in Saudi Arabia, though? Would oh, it be a better God. race than Formula One? Probably. But we're going to there anyway. Next race, Saudi Arabia. Um, to close it off, guys, Tim, what's your way too early prediction for Saudi Arabia? Way too early prediction for Saudi Arabia. Um, Red Bull 1-2, more points to Williams. Uh, Red Bull first, second, Alonso third. I can't see anything changing at the minute. Ferrari front row lockout. Whoa, love that. Love that. Ambitious. I'm going to go. Presumably no race pace, Bill. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Red Bull one two with double points for Alfa Romeo. That's actually not that bad. I just that's, yeah yeah. That's, Joe, that's Joe, actually quite good. I would, Joe would have been a lot closer today if they hadn't pitted him on the last few laps for the fastest lap, which he took, even though he didn't get a point for it. Took it but off of Gasly though. Yeah ah, yeah true Gasly yeah. That sounded wrong. Um, I'm gonna put a completely out there prediction. McLaren will finish with both cars working. But not yeah, on the lead lap, I'm guessing. <laughs> Wait, do you mean on the racetrack or in the garage? On the racetrack. Oh, okay. Well, if they break down two laps to go, they're still classified. That's probably what will happen. But there were internet rumours that Lando's already looking for a way out of this like 20-year contract that he's on. So. He's already said that, hasn't he? He, he said say, he will leave. He did say yeah. Red Bull wouldn't be... What he, he he would not look at a Red Bull contract. Right now, I think I would not look at a Williams contract if I was Lando Norris. Their wind tunnel isn't due to be complete until this year. No, it was completed late last year and had no effect on this year's car. So they don't expect any correlation and what have you for the wind tunnel to come in until next year's car. Well, if you keep saying next year, if you keep saying next year to a driver of Lando's quality, eventually he will wake up and do an Alonso and move on because it was always next year and next year, next year with Alpine. It was always next year, next year, next year with McLaren. He woke up, he smelt the roses um, and he looks like he might have finally made a good career move. If Red Bull keep doing silly adverts with Ford. Their Honda engine has got to be a complete dog next season. So I wouldn't jump shit the Red Bull. You really are overthinking this whole uh, Ford deal. Um. <laughs> Have you not seen them? They're doing adverts with a racing van. and They were at the car launch. And you've got, you're committed to three more seasons with a Honda engine. Why would you be screwing that about? With with your next engine maker, sign the deal and get on with it. But don't be sitting there making adverts and think the Honda's going to be happy and is going to back you up for doing it. But right, sh- surely because they're still under contract with Honda, are they legally allowed to to do these things? 
Yeah, because yeah. it's not Honda, it's Red Bull Powertrains. Remember, yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 it's the branding is Red Bull Powertrains. Okay. It's a Honda engine by every other instance, but not by branding, which is their cut out for that. Okay. That yeah, but they are, they are, it, 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 you know, everybody knows that it's Honda that's in there working on that engine. And and working with Red Bull mechanics to build these engines, so Red Bull mechanics are learning from the Honda work people. I just think Red Bull are jeopardising their future by pushing too much forward at the minute. Yeah, let's wrap this up because we've been going, we've gone over our allocated hour recording. So I just want to say thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've heard. Please check out all our socials. There are links in the bio of the podcast and every post that we do for the podcast. You can check us out Facebook, Instagram, Discord, Twitter. Um, we're hoping to do some sort of watch party for Saudi Arabia online, trying to look, find the best way of doing that. Until then, guys, there will be a competition next week. We will uh, announce that shortly. Um, but yeah, until then, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Cheerio, guys. See you later, guys. Thank you for listening to the Formula One Fans UK podcast brought to you by Apex Tracks.